Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, I'm going to say Kansas City because the answers can't all be St. Louis. I would it disagree is, this is St. Louis. It is St. Louis. Yeah, you suck. We uh, all all right, see, now I won this one. I actually yeah, won this one legit. You have? Wait, I've got two more questions. What do you mean? Oh, I could tie. Um. All right. Who gets it? Ben? Oh, this is too easy then. Now we're going back to you guys have to answer it first. Ready? Uh, <laughs> you're like you're literally changing the rules of the middle so Jeff can win. That's the by thing the way, that just this... happened on recording. You know, we're recording this, right? You're like, no, by the that's way, too easy. This is the Jeff intro. I'm changing the rules. This is the podcast <laughs> intro. 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys. Maybe the longest, I was just saying, in yeah. the pregame. Is it the longest we've taken since we started doing it? I think so. Maybe, I think so, too. Maybe we're coming out of this COVID thing and uh, getting back to our normal selves, eh? eh? Actually, it's been very abnormal subs. We have been traveling, traveling. fiends, all three of us. Uh, we're we're going to – we've got a little idea about a, um, a spinoff, Traveling with Jeff, Ben, and Tim. It's going to be a great little podcast. It's it really is. Super. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys on the Electricast Podcast Network. Uh, Jeff Simons, uh, where are you? It doesn't look like Berkeley. I am in super fan Craig Simons's office. Oh, um, I'm in Annapolis, Maryland. But upon conclusion of this recording, I go to the airport and fly to today's destination, which I will not spoil. But, but uh, it's my it's my layover. I get back to Oakland at midnight tonight and back to. Real oh, life. wait, you're not going to. Oh, you're going to tell us the. Is it St. Louis? I wonder if it's St. Louis. It is all St. Right. Louis. First of all, the stupid podcast is called St. Louis, Jeff. You're not <laughs> hiding the ball for these people. <laughs> Shit. I was, I was uh, going to say it. And then I was like, oh, Tim's going to be so mad. Yes. My layover tonight is in St. Louis. Oh, which is that's what we're talking great. About. I thought that was Super. kind of amazing. So. Uh, ben Barton, you are in Knoxville, Tennessee. How are things in the great state of Tennessee? Uh, back home in Knoxville, Tennessee, gearing up for uh, leg one of Indy Kikana's re-election. Woo! Knocked on some doors this weekend, delivered 35 yard signs, getting after it. All right, go India. And do we have a nice slate of second place finishers for India to to pat around, bat around like a cat for the next several months? The good news is that so far the people they said there's going to be four other names on the ballot, and okay. as of yet, none of them are doing much. So that's exactly how, how you want that? your opponents for sure. Yeah, but, and you want them to split that vote among four different candidates too, which is nice. Also, non-Indian uh, vote. The political podcast uh, spinoff yeah, is man, also sure. coming up. Hey, uh, I am back. I flew out uh, out of D.C. this morning. I had to stay because Nantucket 
enveloped in fog. No planes could get in or out. I stood uh, on the on the runway in Nantucket because they, their building isn't big enough. So you have to be outside the building uh, for three hours. Missed my Can flight you, to Asheville. Did they tell you the story about why the airport is where it is? I did not hear this story. Why is the airport where it is? It's um, on the southern part of the island. In World War II, they were flying in and out of England. Okay. And they needed to build an airport to practice landing and taking off in fog. And so they chose the foggiest place they could find in America. And then they found the foggiest spot in that place. And they built a brand new state-of-the-art airport. And that's why the Nantucket Airport is there. And that's why it's closed for fog all the time. So they wanted a foggy airport to practice landing in England. Correct. But you'll note like the airport itself is in a hollow on a little island. Yeah, like, there's a, it is. There are other places in the, like you drive out to the airport and it's foggy and it's nice out at the beach. Like they could have put the airport someplace where it wasn't so foggy. Oh my God. That's awesome. That's a that great, great, yeah. great story. Well, that explains uh, my day and why uh, American has lost my luggage as well. Um well, it great. doesn't explain the lost luggage. They, I imagine they could have found the luggage in the fog if they got close enough to it, but that's too bad. Uh, well, uh, I had a great time at the Nantucket Film Festival, uh, brought my screenplay there, and I've got a producer now, and I've got uh, other people interested on board. I've got an idea of who I want the star to be. Um, Fantastic. I, I still haven't figured out uh, who the patriarch of the family is going to be. I, I really want Brian Dennehy. Nice character actor, yeah. Brian Dennehy, but he's dead, so that'll if, slow him down. You hired anybody to score this little film of yours yet, or no? Uh, how are you with Irish music, Jeff Simons? Pretty good. Well, you know, I, I'm interested in taking a meeting for sure. <laughs> okay, well, uh, let's have a little audition of Jeff Simons' <laughs> musical ability. Your little Bob Dylan project. Uh, came out on Electrocast Records. I've been our to it. our little Bob Dylan prod, the Fifty Years of Music <laughs> okay. EP series okay. has dropped. That is incredibly gracious of you. Uh, I did not actually play a role, uh, but I wanted you to play. Um, Tell me, Mama. Uh, did you see the the time I want the chunk of time I want from that song? I think I did, and I'll I'll explain why I want this chunk in a little bit. But let's give. Uh, the listeners a little taste of this. What do we call it? An EP, Jeff? So EP or extended play okay, uh, is for uh, uh, recordings that aren't a full length record. So it can be usually five songs and fewer is referred to as an EP. So cool that's, uh, uh, but I find you'll be shocked to know that um, most people are way less concerned with whether something is an EP or not than I am. So okay. <laughs> I definitely have been, I, I definitely have been getting some like, who cares whether it's oh, an EP or not? Dear. Like, okay. well, you see. But yeah, no. So it's called the Deep Dive 50 Years of Music, which is the, cause, Let's and go. this one's Dylan 66. But the second volume is already in the pre-planning stages and will feature Ooh. songs talked about by you all on this podcast. And my hope is to do a bunch of them. So Love this it. is the beginning Love of the whole it. series. So.
tasty. I mean, I, I wanted to, there's something about that particular section too, that I think um, captures all three songs for me. Like Jeff, this is big. Like it feels big. Oh, good. All right. I I'll mean, take it. really great. And, uh, and I think your vocals are crushing it. And is it, Who's on guitar? Depredo, That's Prado, right? Mighty Prado on the guitar. That's me. Just absolutely killing it in that particular. Uh, thank you, Tim, yeah. for choosing that exact yeah. slot. Damn, it's so tasty. I know. He's There's good. the part where he rises up in the mix, but then when he when he goes back down in the mix, you just I was just listening to it the whole time, like just listening to him, like yeah, tear it so up. It's, so it's good. Me on, it's me on rhythm, and then Depredo is all the stuff that sounds good. Like yeah. when you're like, ooh, the guitar is good. Like it's not me. Uh, who's <laughs> who's the drummer? That's me. I mean, it's me on drums. You're crushing the drums. I'm on. I'm on drums, keys, vocals, and then and rhythm guitar, and then Dip played all the leads. And my uh, my boy Michael Romanowski is on bass. And then there's also guitar in there from Pi Fiorentino, who's playing some very tasty rhythm stuff on all the songs as well. Oh man, very nice. And that's not Adam you on bass. I thought that that had a Jeff Simons esque. That's Mike. Yeah, he played played great. Romo played that. Um, awesome. and then. Adam Rossi is playing the, I'm playing all the piano. And then Adam Rossi, who also engineered and mixed, uh, is playing the organ. So it was fun. We did it and yeah. we did it in five hours. We did the whole thing in a day, which is really fun. Wait, too. And that wait, was on purpose. All three songs? Yeah, the whole thing. Oh. Soup to nuts in oh. one day. Because I was trying to, I was trying to imitate Dylan in 66. It was moving so oh. insanely quickly. Channeling. Uncle and I was trying to spend as little money as possible on the 50 Years of Music EP <laughs> series. But... <laughs> That's great. Uh, well, I absolutely love it. I've been listening to it. You guys are the sweetest. At, is it, um, can you tell? Are people listening? Um, yes. It's been added, actually, to, I just got added to its 17th Spotify playlist uh, by people who I don't know, which is very exciting. Which is the key. And it uh, as we're... As we went to start taping today, it just went over uh, 2,000 listens. Well, um, great. Pretty good for me for a week. 2,000 is pretty solid. Yeah. All right. So. so the key to Spotify's algorithm is get added to playlists, correct? Yes. All right. I will do that uh, for the rest of my day. That's what I'll just do. I'll just, just like Tim 1, playlists. Tim 2, Tim 3, Tim 4, Tim 5. <laughs> Go get them. Uh, all right. Well, this is... Uh, this is our, our traveling uh, musical podcast, uh, a little road case. I, I can't remember where we were last time, maybe Texas or something. But today, gosh darn it, we are in St. Louis, St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, I have a lot to say about St. Louis, uh, but Ben Barton, uh, we asked you to do something special for this podcast. The first ever um, man on the scene, you recorded your impressions while you were at Bonnaroo. Uh, so why don't we go ahead and play that oh. report right now? That's fantastic. Oh, I'm supposed to fake this? Yes. <laughs> uh, Bonnaroo was excellent. Very much enjoyed it. You'll be very pleased to know my favorite small show was The Beths. Oh, right. Let's go, Beths. Podcast favorite, The Beths. They're good, uh, right? Um, they can really play the, a lot. My favorite, my favorite uh, big show was Kendrick Lamar. Partially because it was so unbelievably weird. It was okay. really weird. It's just <laughs> him by himself with six identical dancers, all a foot shorter than him, all dressed as him doing the robot. <laughs> that was the show. <laughs> that's how it was that's really that's odd. It was super awesome. odd. 
Yeah, and he just sort of stood still while these weird dancers were doing things that are not recognizable as dance moves behind him. It was amazing. Oh, my God. So, wait, uh, who gets the MVP of the weekend? Is it Kendrick Lamar? Uh, no, the MVP of the weekend is Girl in Red. This is the act that I didn't know at all. She um, lost her mind, crowd surfed, made a mosh pit, climbed out into the mosh pit and moshed with her fans while she was oh, screaming. That's amazing. Was un- and she's a, 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 a like a 20-year-old lesbian gal who sings sad, some up-tempo, but basically sad lesbian songs. So uh-huh. you can imagine how amazing it was in her mosh pit. It was so fun. <laughs> Were they in slow motion in the mosh pit? She was bouncing around in there, having a super okay. good time. And the other gals, I mean, her super fans were all like, this is the greatest day of my life. It was so oh, good. That's oh, that sweet. sounds great. Any uh, major disappointments? Anybody who you were like, this is going to be great. And then laid a sideways egg or was a little bit meh. Yeah. Um, my daughter, Dolly and her best friend, their favorite show. They were super psyched to see Alex G. Oh, yeah. And I'm sad to report that he was super mopey, didn't move at all, actually faced the drummer for a couple of songs. Oh, it was Lord. really bad. Huh. That's really weird. Yeah. Well, some people are just too cool to play live and they yeah. should and stop he, That really live. doesn't surprise me based on what Alex G sounds like. So, so they couldn't be bothered to interact with the fans. They were just kind of, they were yeah. over it. Oh. Yeah. Good for them that they've reached that level of success. That's... <laughs> <laughs> I too hope to one day turn my back. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. You can turn your back on this Fans. podcast as soon as you re- sell this screenplay. That'll yeah. feel good. You you can just do the podcast with not facing us. I have on the phone with your agent. I have um, recorded my voice for AI, uh, and so I think excellent. I think that could that could be in our future. All right. Well, let's get to St. Louis. Gateway to the West, gentlemen. It's called The Last Eastern City. St. Louis, Missouri. And what we're going to do is we're going to play an arrival song that I've never heard before today by an artist I've never heard of before today. It's Chingy. Holiday Inn. Chingy. Yeah, I'm ready. Just hit it. Yeah, get, get in Chingy with it. Bomb ass bomb. Oh, you got the bomb. Oh, you got it. Bomb. Oh, you got some bomb ass bomb. I know you got the bomb. bomb. What you doing? Chilling at the holiday inn. Me and my peeps, won't you bring four of your friends? Feel on each other and step on some hand. One thing leading to another. Let the party Jeff Simons, that's the uh, Holiday Inn by the airport, too. So <laughs> you, you could totally jump over. Uh, I might bring, take, bring I might the take liquor. the layover. Yeah. yeah. I love when the phone rings. That's my favorite part of the track is when the phone rings. That is your I got a phone call. <laughs> for later today. Uh, it's, it's so interesting looking up songs about St. Louis or that mention St. Louis. It's either... St. Louis Blues, which was recorded by 17,000 different artists. Um, or it's hip hop. Um, and that's it. There's 
I there's not your typical 50 year old white guy rock band uh, coming out of St. Louis besides, of course, um, Wilco, which came from or some of them came from a suburb there. Um, yeah. And then not, no country acts. There's not a lot of country mentioning St. Louis. So, you know how the end of the compilation in the torture basement um, sometimes either ends uh, making you guys happy or sad. Oh, we're going to be uh, sad today. Yeah. You you got three in a row that are just going to gut you. Um, so I apologize. Next next week, I'll, I owe you some good songs. All right. Um, let's play a quick game. This will be a competition between Jeff and Ben. Well, finally, I've got a chance. Jeff is frozen again. <laughs> Jeff, give me the, give me the questions. That, I don't I can think... finally win one. <laughs> I don't think that is fair. I think we should wait for him. I to... disagree. I've been on a lag multiple times. <clears throat> Nobody uh, ever cried any tears for me. All right. This is right. This would be sad if you lose. So the, the game is St. Louis or Kansas City. I oh, will I'm going to lose this anyways. I, I will ask a question and you answer St. Louis or Kansas City. Are you ready? Right. I love it. Ready to do this. They have the highest murder rate in the United States. St. Louis. St. Louis is number one. Ben yeah, Barton. brutal. Chicago's 18. Yeah. I mean, Chicago's not even close. And Kansas City, I think, is uh, in between somewhere. All right. Yeah. Uh, they have the... Oh, he's back. Hey, Jeff, you're down one nothing. What was the guess? The, the guess was uh, St. Louis. Oh, so, so go ahead and ask Jeff a question, and we'll just go backwards and forwards that way. I, I'll, I'll um, um, all right, uh, Jeff Simons. Yep. Who produces more beer, Kansas City or St. Louis? I'm going to say St. Louis because of Anheuser Busch. That Agreed. is correct. Okay. Uh, ben Barton, which city has an NHL hockey team? St. Louis Blues. That St. is Louis. correct. Um. Which city, Jeff Simons, has the larger metro population? Again, metro is the no, sorry, not metro, uh, city population, not the metropolitan. Wait, this is Kansas City or St. Louis? Yes, that is correct. Well, I'm going to say Kansas City because the answers can't all be St. Louis. I would it disagree. Is, this is St. Louis. It is St. Louis. Yeah, you suck. We uh, all all right, see, now I won this one. I actually yeah, won this did. one legit. You have. Wait, I've got two more questions. What do you mean? Oh, I could tie. Um, all right. Who gets it? Ben? Oh, this is too easy then. Now we're going back to you guys have to answer it first. Ready? Uh, <laughs> you're like you're literally changing the rules of the middle so Jeff can win. That's a by thing way, that just this... happened on recording. You know, we're recording this, right? You're like, no, by the that's way, too easy. This is the intro. I'm changing the rules. This is the podcast intro. Oh my Bar god. Tim right. beats for me. All right, 30. but this is just so silly. All right, Ben Barton. Uh, which city has an NFL team? Ah, yeah. That's City why Chiefs. it would have been more fun for a race, but you and your stupid power in Annapolis wasn't working out. All right. I know it's really, tr we're struggling here. All right. Actually, this one is kind of tough. They won the 1985 World Series, the Kansas City Royals. Pretty sure with, I agree with that. With uh, UL so Washington at first, at second base with the toothpick in his mouth. <laughs> I remember that toothpick. He played that's, with a toothpick sticking like out, and it would be at, he would be at the bat with that toothpick, and I just kept waiting for him to take one in the face where the toothpick would go into his jaw and come out the back yeah. of his head. I could barely watch him bat. 
Well, uh, I, I guess we're we're gonna give that to Ben, or he will have. But that is that the series where they um the guy blows the call at first base that costs the Cardinals a series, and he gets all the death threats and has to drop out of umpiring. Isn't that that same series? I don't know. Sorry, no idea. No idea. Uh, but Kansas City took it four, two, three. Uh, Kansas City um is not. In this podcast, uh, I haven't done any research, but I do have some fun facts from St. Louis. America's right. first kindergarten was in St. Louis in 1873. America's first interstate highway was built uh, in St. Louis. And the first parachute, sorry, the first successful parachute jump. <laughs> In 1912, apparently there were many others. I was going to say, is there a comp? There, now there'd be a fails compilation of the unsuccessful parachute jumps that people could watch on um, YouTube. And two inventions come from St. Louis. I'll let you guys decide which is better. Uh, the drink 7-Up or uh, Tums. Tums, and it's not even close, as a, as a 50-year-old white man. Do I have this wrong? Wasn't ice cream theoretically invented at the St. Louis World's Fair? Doesn't think, that count? I think theoretical is the key there. It was uh, invented in New York first, but uh, it was popularized at the St. Louis World's Fair. When I'm going to take that over Tom's or 7-Up. When a waffle maker um, realized that the ice cream guy next to him had run out of bowls, he said, hold on, and he started wrapping up some of his waffles, and the ice cream vendor put ice cream in his waffles. So, so it was actually kind of invented um, independently from- Those the are two of the smartest human beings to have ever. By the way, quoting Wikipedia, the 1985 World Series is best remembered for an incorrect uh -oh. safe call made by first base umpire uh -oh. Don Deckinger in game six. Oh, that name sticks out. Huh. So there you go. Okay. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to our uh, compilation. Again, I apologize- for how it's going to end, you only have, I think, ten songs, maybe eleven songs. So I'll say let's uh let's try to get eight. Yeah. I'm leaving St. Louis. I'm going out to Green Avenue. There's one. Mind of Saint Louis. Meet me in Saint Louis, Louis. Meet me at the fair. I know that one. And this one. Louis. Let man of mine 
Wait, so it was uh, there were twelve songs. I put together twelve, so you got to get nine. Those last three are impossible. Those last three are just hot garbage. Right, I got one of them. <laughs> oh, yeah, really? Man, I did. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. All right. Do you need? To Let's hear it again. She is not known uh, for the blues. Uh, oh, then I've got it. Okay. I know who that is. I know who that is. <laughs> that's I think. great. That's great. All right. Uh, let's go. One, one by one. The first one's hard. I mean, I, it's an old blues song. I would yep. guess Big Bill Brunzi, but I have no idea. What about you, Ben? I mean, I was actually wondering who the hell's from St. Louis because he says he's born right. in Grand Avenue. Or yeah. I don't know. Muddy Waters. Uh, it was Roosevelt Sykes. Would have been a minute. All right. Yeah. Like uh, all the minutes. Second one. That's the Doobie Brothers or Michael McDonald. It is the Doobie Brothers indeed. Ding. All is that right. like an old Doobie Brothers song? It sounds awful. It sounds like it's like <laughs> reunion Doobie Brothers, it which does. I didn't even know was a thing. It is Doobie Brothers, but I did not take the time to then okay. uh, research which album. It that came sounded from. awful. Uh, all right. Number three. We got that. T Swizzle, right? T Swizzle indeed. Number four, Ben Barton. No idea. That's Judy Garland, my friends. That is almost Judy assuredly Garland. her. That's a banger, Jeff. <laughs> Big old voice right there. The way she said, "Meet me in St. <laughs> <laughs> Judy Garland, Barbara Streisand, battling yeah. it out for the big, most histrionic voices. <laughs> uh, all right, who's got the rapper? At number four, it's Ice Cube. I, I mean, oh, no, no, no. First, yet. it's uh, Nelly, right? Country Grammar, isn't it that Nelly? Is. That is Nelly. Country oh, I'm sorry, Grammar. I got out of order. Uh, so Ben, you got number seven, which is Ice Cube. Who's got number six? I actually know this not because I've ever heard the song before, but because I know there's a rock band with a song about St. Louis, and it's the Easy Beats. It is, that is the Easy Beats, and I from... only know that from like knowing about the Easy Beats. I've never actually bothered to listen to it because it's post cool moment of the easy beast yeah from but like the 80s no that's not that was in the 60s I, no I mean, it does it that does song? Not, yeah it does not sound no, like that's so, that song is not from the 60s no I way will, i will bet you a dr pepper okay all right anyway uh, seven beats. up let's <laughs> <laughs> see that's what i'm talking about that's all a right <laughs> who's got the next one after ice cube yes that's marvin gay marvin gay is correct ben who's after marvin gay Kanye West. Kanye West. And then, Ben, you say you have the 10th song. It's my understanding this is Johnny Paycheck. <laughs> is that correct? <laughs> How do you, you know that? Best. You are the Just best. Just old country knowledge. Can't that's explain great. it all. God I heard damn. that and I was like, oh, my God, that's Johnny Paycheck. Wow. <laughs> and it's called Spirits of St. Louis, right? Yeah. All right. All the Spirits of St. Louis. Have we run the table after Roosevelt Sykes? Uh, we have. We're in trouble now, though. Who's got the next song? No idea. Three Loretta country, Lynn. Three country gems. It was Reba McIntyre. Uh, uh, there's no you in Oklahoma is the name of that song. Oh, my God. That's unbelievable. That's good spelling right there. I like it. <laughs> and finally, bring it home. America's Sweetheart, Brenda Lee. Brenda sung Lee that last is song. correct. Wow. One, two, three, God four, damn, five, six, Jeff. seven, that's eight, nine. That's some fucking heat. Ten. Ten out you of twelve. You guys win ten out of twelve in the torture basement. You ought to be proud. I am a little proud. Um, I haven't accomplished anything in 10 days. I've just been like vacating and doing nothing. I, I felt good. That brought my competitive juices back. <laughs> now, 
Uh, there's no shortage of Chuck Berry songs that mention St. Louis. Oh, yeah. But no, Ben, sure. I, I wanted to give you that whole field and, and let you choose what you will when we get there. Um, uh, real quick, any favorite uh, vacation stories? I just want to tell you a, a quick one. Um, we had a big screenwriter's tribute in Nantucket, and then there was an after party from 10 to 12. Um, most people are going home at this point. And uh, some of the young uh, people, the the kind of boots on the ground folks at the festival said we should go to the chicken box. Ben, do you ever go to the chicken box? Hells yeah, man. I, I've not only been to the chicken box, I've had my fake ID taken there more than once. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, yeah. So I Dude, the chicken I, box is a place where me and my best friend from high school, Ben Stone, after our fake IDs were taken, actually uh -huh. showed up, waited in the line to get in. We got up to the front. We said, we are exchange students from Denmark. <laughs> yeah, we have no how you say D.I. Yeah. And they just laughed and threw us out. So good. <laughs> <laughs> that is an amazing story. I wish I had known it. Um. So I, I, I read the history of the chicken box and I'm thinking I'm going to some small club where uh, old black men are going to play the blues. And it is just the most horrendous, drunken uh, college bar. Uh, there's a band doing covers of Blink-182. People are going crazy. Are you sure that wasn't Blink-182? All plastic cups. <laughs> it might have been. Exactly. It was a band out of... Uh, called Up All Night. Uh, they were playing three nights at the Chicken Box. Uh, and I, I posted on our Instagram the um, their cover of Journey. Uh, so a shout out to, to Chase Tanner, who's a, a track coach from Arkansas and a screenwriter. Keegan Tierney, she's a hockey player and a writer. And Charles Warborton, uh, a producer from... Plymouth, Massachusetts, for bringing us there and and emphasizing to us uh, the aging process. Because I think I can convince myself, oh, I'm still young. And then you go to a bar with young people and it's like, oh, my God, if someone spills on my sport coat, I'm going to be really upset. Sport coat? <laughs> oh, it's a blazer. Sport coat to the chicken box. I, like I did. I was I was the, also the only one with reading glasses at, at the uh, chicken box. What were you that reading? What you, you uh, the bill? Look at your beer? Like, I had to. I, you have your glasses I, on. I had to figure out what the bill was. I'm like, I cannot see this. And they had to hawk his sport coat to cover it. <laughs> uh, um, all right. Any fun travel stories from you two? I'll do a bar related story. I've been on the road for two weeks. It started with a conference in Salt Lake City for three nights, and then I flew east for a high school reunion, and then Ooh. I went to jamaica with uh the lovely non-listener of the podcast yeah and now i am back in annapolis having gone up to philadelphia yesterday to visit my daughter at sleepaway camp on visit day drove back down here to fly home uh tonight so i've been everywhere i've been salt lake yeah. annapolis jamaica philadelphia um but i did do salt lake city karaoke Ooh. in my last night that we I dragged eleven of my fellow uh, independent school division <laughs> heads out to karaoke night, and um, if I may say so, burned down the house on What'd Thunder you do? Road. I did oh, Thunder Road. Let's go. And I I very immediately decided that the stage could not contain me because it was a wireless mic, and so um, I serenaded our group, and then I ran across the bar and serenaded another group, oh. and. Um, 
Uh, of strangers. Oh, it was. And and then that was all. I just popped the cork on the bottle because after that, things got real. It was, I think, a whole like group of art of um, kids in a summer program doing uh-huh. Let's Put On a Show were there because as soon as I did that, people were like, well, if he's doing that, and let's then, like, go. People were amazing. Like I did that. And I was like, you know, if I, I was like patting my own back, like, well, that that sets a bar. And the next guy who got up there did. uh uh, I can't remember. Shoot, I can't remember what song, but he just at- oh, he did "Don't Stop Me Now" by Queen and completely destroyed it. He had oh, all that's the a high good one to go over the top. He's on. stalking the stage. I was like, <sighs> I was like bowing down. It was I great. love it. Oh, that's so that was so, fun. So shout like out Mr. to Fahrenheit. my yeah. a big shout out to my fellow Index Division heads who uh, who showed some serious game for a bunch of fifty something educators with lots Maybe. of reading glasses and sports coats. So. <laughs> Before I tell my story, uh, Timmy, do you have? A go-to karaoke song? No, I don't sing. Uh, That's when a bad available, uh-huh. I could give you guys ten thousand guesses. You would never get "TikTok" by Kesha. This might go as your go-to. Woke you, up I in the you... morning feeling like P Diddy. Well, if you can't sing and you're a white, that's a good one. Male, it's yeah, maybe hilarious. Yeah, like, as soon one. as it starts going, they're like waves of laughter. Okay, come out. I should start doing that. TikTok. That's good by Kesha. Thunder Road is my go-to. I also really enjoy, depending on the room, I can sing A Mean Tainted Love by Soft Cell. Oh, that's that a good one. Mm. I love that one. That's and good. Uh, I got for Tainted everybody... Love, then you have to be the bad guy, right? Aren't you the person who's yeah. like, uh, yeah. Yep. But I got everybody on stage with me. I got all 12 other teachers up and we did American Girl as a giant gang. Oh, vocal. that's a good one. That's and that fun. was fun. Because it's really only fun. 90 seconds as a karaoke because the last minute and a half. This guitar. <laughs> solo and oh, ha, ha, and he just faded us out after the second. Fair. fair Hilarious. Yeah. Uh, all right, Ben, anything to tell us? I'll tell a uh, short version of a longer story. I had the great good fortune to be invited to Brazil Woo! to speak to a group of Brazilian judges in Porto Vejo. And the judge who invited me had us to her home for a dinner. So it's 15 Brazilian judges and myself and my daughters who came with me. And um, they had a fully catered meal. And in Brazil, you can see that labor is cheap. Food was unbelievable. Just like one course of grilled meat after another. It really was one of the best meals we had in Brazil was this catered meal. And they had a catered bartender serving capadinhas, which is the national drink of Brazil, which uh, consists of two shots of cachaça, which is uh, sugar cane alcohol that's even harder than rum to drink. I know. Lime, sugar, ice cubes. So they Ooh. bring me one. I'm like, and my speech is the next day. I'm speaking to, you know, we're 85 <laughs> Brazilian judges the next day. So I have one. It's great. Sir, would you like another? No, thank you. My daughters are like, that was yummy. <laughs> See you again. Uh, by the end of the night, They've just stopped asking. There's just a pile of glasses, like snow drift of these capadinhas <laughs> arriving for the girls. And we started eating it like. Oh, no. Good English. We have an amazing conversation. We're like doing comparative Bolsonaro and Trump stuff. Like it was super fun. It's 11 o'clock at night. No one's left or even looks like they're considering leaving. And I traveled 18 hours to get there the day before. So I'm like, hey, listen, I'm not trying to be a jerk about it at all, but really, I got to go, you know, like I'm speaking tomorrow. Right. And they're like, oh, yes, of course. Of course, we, we would like you, you have to leave and we're going to be very considerate to you. There's just one thing in Brazil. We have a tradition called the Psy Data. Have you heard of the Psy Data? 
No, I was like, no, I haven't no. heard that. And they're like, yes, this is Brazilian for the last drink. And it's a very important tradition. <laughs> then they bring oh. out three more waves of freaking shots. Like they just won't <laughs> let us leave. And I have like a sip of the first shot. And then I'm like, look, I just have to cut it off. Like I'm actually, I'm physically working tomorrow and I can't, I'm not going to be hung over in a Brazilian hotel room. The girls are just putting them away, like to the point where after the, when I refuse the second shot, Dahlia's like, "You should have some fun, lighten up." Oh my god, they're uh, representing you well, though. Oh, totally. Uh, uh, so they were slightly overserved, and one of my younger daughter Georgia Barton's favorite claims is that she never gets hungover uh -oh. and that she's really good at drinking because she is, in fact, on the women's rugby team. So if you've been on a rugby team, you know there's a lot of beer drinking. There's uh -huh. not very much hard alcohol shots <laughs> after you already had eight mixed drinks. <laughs> and I'll just leave it that she had a rough day. Oh. <laughs> Good life lesson for a 19-year-old. Nicely uh, done. You got to learn this sometime. Right? Yeah, for learning sure. it, Learning it in Brazil, you know, as good as anywhere else. Well, let's get to the favorite son or daughter of St. Louis. She's not actually from St. Louis, but Jeff, as you say, St. Louis claims her. This is where her career begins uh, when she meets Ike Turner, Tina Turner, who recently passed uh, earlier this month. We're going to give her a shout out as St. Louis's favorite daughter. And I'm wondering if you could play a song, Jeff, that was about um, their early career in the early 60s. The song is called Club Manhattan. That's uh, that's off of the uh, Nutbush album. What year was that? 1973. Wow. Oh, I didn't realize they were married all the way into the 70s. 75 or 6 or something like that. Yeah. Right. Cool. So bad. So bad. Um, It's tough, though, because those songs are great. <laughs> it really great. is. And I don't even mind Ike Tiener's guitar. I mean, Ike's uh Yeah, but you know what? Don't you? Come on. I was just about to say, don't you listen to the songs and wish that Tina had anybody other than Ike as the producer? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, like yeah, the, for sure. The backing track of that song is woefully unimpressive compared to the lights oh. out vocal. And I actually Agreed. think Tina's over singing because she knows how dull the track is. Yeah. Like, I mean, I listen to Ike and Tina Turner's 70s stuff and I'm like, a transcendent vocalist saddled with a really average producer, arranger, and songwriter. Yeah, and so she's just like, what? This is trying to make it exciting. Trying to and do something like, with it. I mean, you know, Private Dancer is is um un is just unforgivably eighties in its production, but at least it's expert in its production, and she gets to she sounds professionally recorded and produced. And I just can't imagine how amazing her 70s output would have been if she had somebody. Yeah, right. Well, 
Shout out to Tina Turner. I think Tina Turner uh, getting a lot of play in the world's uh, airports and uh, yeah. departure lounges. Yeah, it's just a lot, of, so. a lot of simply the best. What love got to do with it? We don't need mm -hmm. another hero in my life. The last two weeks, there was even uh, a, a one of those Stuart Florida acoustic guys doing um, private dancer uh, at a bar <laughs> in Stuart Florida. I'm like, okay, you do you. I like it. That was, I like that. I like the uh, gender reversal of that. Yeah. Did you uh, wave him over like, okay, private dancer, let's. Uh... You know, I think we're dropping uh, TripAdvisor as a sponsor of the podcast. Um, I know they're not really our sponsor, but if they were, we would drop them because their top five for St. Louis is so boring. Ready for the top five of St. Louis? Gateway Arch, St. Louis Zoo, Botanical Garden, Bush Stadium, the City Museum. And you've been to St. Louis, right? I've never been. Oh. But that seems like a boring top five. Uh, Just going to say I, it's a boring town. Just go ahead and say it, Jeff. It's a little, I mean, it's my, my experience of St. Louis is that that's about right. Huh. I mean, I don't oh, want to wow. cast dispersions. I like I like St. Louis. Like, people are friendly. WashU is a cool school. The Arch is neat. I, I mean, I recommend getting off the interstate, driving right to the base of the Arch and checking it out. Uh, and then getting back on the interstate and continuing your drive to another another locality. You know, we had a quick conversation about the population of St. Louis in comparison to Kansas City. And as a city, St. Louis has more people. Uh, ben Barton, I'm going to have you set the uh, over-under, and Jeff can go over or under. Uh, city population-wise, what place does St. Louis come in in the United States as a whole? Okay, rock on. This is not metro. This is city limits. City limits. That is correct. 38. Uh, Jeff, are you going to go higher or lower? It is more populated than 38th. More, more populated. So, I think it's like, in the top 35. Top 35. It is 77th. Oh, my God. It I is, lose again. It is behind Plano, Texas, Durham, North Carolina, Chandler, Arizona. It's even behind Gilbert. Arizona, which I've never even heard of. Wow. That's a big suburb of uh, Phoenix, yeah. Of Phoenix. So St. Louis has 279,000 people. That's it? And that oh is it. No wonder. Well, there you go. Yeah. No wonder. And also, it's one of those places where I'm sure the, the peak population was 700 grand. I mean, yeah. it, like it's, it's lost a lot of population. So the metro it, area is nowhere near as bad. The metro area yeah. is medium size. It, yeah. it, was, it was the fourth largest city in the United States from 1870 to 1920. Fourth yeah. to seventy seventh. Fourth to seventy seventh. That's a that's, that's a drop. That's a drop right there. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to our three songs or venues or albums or people. Uh, who wants to go first? Well, first, I cannot believe we're not having a thirty second NBA moment. I I have I have, I have to throw a challenge flag because my uh, least favorite player yes, in the history of the NBA soon to just be became one of your a favorites, warrior. Jeff. You're going to eat your words. And you're going to you, have to sign on. Tim lost uh, right. his great champion Celtic, his favorite player. So has I got left the Celtics. I did not know uh, Marcus Smart was traded until the next day. I was talking to my buddy Joe, and he's like, I, I think the trade's a good good one. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, oh, you don't know? And I'm like, and I, I had to sit down. I'm like, tell me. So the whole day, I was just thrown for a loop, and I'm about to be thrown for a loop again. Because I don't know what you're referencing in regards to the Golden State Warriors. 
I've been Chris out of the Paul. loop. Jeff's Paul. Jeff's favorite warrior. player is Chris Paul. He hates Chris him. Paul's he despises him. And we've had the exact argument where I'm like, if he was on your team, you'd like him. You're being a punk about it. And you're like, no, no, that's, <laughs> that's not exactly true. what I sound like. No. He's totally right. I have had, I have, I I mean, this is the karmic payback for Chris Paul? Paul becoming a warrior. I'm wondering what terrible thing I did. Because I try to live a good, pure life. And karma's letting me know, like, look inward. My boy, Wait, what, what to make Chris Paul a Golden State Warrior? What'd you give up? Jordan Poole. I knew it. It's Poole time to hit Paul. Jeff, one of the great things in life as you grow older is becoming less certain in your opinion. Yeah, you're right. So that you're so much less likely to be so black and white. You're not likely to be the type of person who's like, X is an X professional athlete who I've never met and know nothing about. Yeah. Is an evil person. <laughs> He's just dirty. That's all. <laughs> I know enough to speak about the nature of his soul. <laughs> now you're going to have to root for this guy and, oh. and you're going to love it. You're going to love gonna it. Defend. The first time it. he looks off Curry to take that mid-range jumper, I'm going to throw a shoe through my television. It's going to be <laughs> rough. Is, and I can't not, wait to just... see what Chris Stapp's Porzingis looks like in a 25-foot-long green Celtics jersey. Uh, yeah, I'm going to... I'm going to get behind it. I'm going to get behind it. Um, just Marcus Smart, love him. But uh, having to defend his bad decisions over the years is, is was exhausting as well. Like he'll have two turnovers for every diving loose ball. By the gets. way, you think he was held in check for all of his cheapness on Boston? Wait till the Memphis Grizzlies roll Marcus Smart out. He's going <laughs> to clothesline somebody in the preseason. <laughs> but uh, this is what a crazy NBA fan I have become. Uh, I just looked into tickets to the California Classic in Sacramento for July 3rd to watch Wemby's first oh, exhibition game. You do that. That's that's how cr- that's how insane I am. Uh, so I'm just owning that. Yeah, I think that's a great call. Good for I you. I think I I think I screw is loose. And Miami, we're all, but... and we're all happy the Miami Heat lost. Yeah. Good, good. And by the way, readers, we had an informal like pick against the spread thing going on the 50 Years of Music text thread. And your boy Ben Barton is a point shaving NBA picks genius. Like he would have taken Vegas to the cleaners if he had bet money. It was so impressive. 14 were... games over 500 for the players. 14 games, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. That's outstanding. That was really Not good. that I was counting and not that I'm weirdly proud of that. You are so, you should have bet some money. All right, now let's get to St. Louis. Jeff, you get to go first. I'm going first. We have some incredibly heavy, heavy hitters. Like Really good choice. We're not going to choose Wilco unless Tim does. I mean, that's how good St. Louis is. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go, like, Ben's got one of the five most important musicians of the 20, American musicians of the 20th century, and I might have one of the other five. Oh, for sure. Um, and we're going off the we're going a little bit off brand outside of rock and roll. I'm going to talk about a uh, a guy named Miles Davis, who uh, let's go uh, was raised in St. Not born in St. Louis, born, uh, born in Illinois, but raised essentially in St. Louis. Uh, born in 1926 to an affluent uh, upper middle class black family, uh, landowners in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, and successful business folks um, with a uh, long history of higher education. Miles' sister went to Fisk. Um, Miles got a trumpet at age 12. By 13, he's playing live and out in St. Louis and good enough that the argument about whether or not he should go to college or not or even finish high school starts to become 
something uh, in his uh, future. The first guy to give him trumpet lessons teaches Miles Davis the thing that makes him so distinctive and different from every other trumpet player you've ever heard. Miles Davis plays without vibrato. Most trumpet players are taught to try to turn that military instrument into something with a little bit of a softer feel by getting a little waver, quaver, vibrato in the sound. Miles plays with no vibrato. He cuts through the mix. His notes are so pure and stay where they are in a way that makes his trumpet playing uh, instantly recognizable and changes the way people play the trumpet. Um, every jazz group that comes through town uh, wants Miles. My favorite Miles Davis high school story is in 1944, when he is 17 years old and a senior in high school, a band featuring Billy Eckstein, Art Blakey, Dizzy Gillespie, and Charlie Parker comes to town, and the trumpet player is sick. So Miles sits in for a week and a half and gets offered the full-time gig with this band as a high school trumpet player. That's outstanding. So, That's awesome. Uh, um, and his mom won't let him do it. His mom is like, you're going to spend the rest of your life on the road. You were going to finish high school and you're going to start college. And Miles has this really funny quote where it's like, I hated my mom for it. And I didn't go on tour. So there's a little bit of a like love, love thing going on there. Instead, does anyone know where Miles Davis attended college? He went to Juilliard. What went to New York, auditioned at Juilliard and was accepted Lasted three semesters before he dropped out because the jazz scene was just too much of a pull. He spends the 1940s at the feet of guys like Charlie Parker and Blakey and all these guys that he met when they came through St. Louis, building his own style, playing on a bunch, playing as a support uh, musician uh, on a whole bunch of recordings. In 1949, he, he uh, organizes his first session called Birth of the Cool, which invents a whole kind of softer, uh, less hard bop uh, way of jazz. He spends there and now, but then we're gonna start the the, the sweetness and darkness of, of Miles Davis's life. There are gonna be all these incredible artistic highs coupled with the lows of a personal life that was uh, filled with illness and um, infidelity and a whole bunch of not so great decisions. So- And drug addiction. And drug addiction. So 19, 1949, the birth of the cool session, he spends the early 50s recording for prestige and battling a heroin addiction that's so bad that he has to make a comeback performance at the Newport Jazz Festival to sign the defining record contract of his life, which is the one he makes with Columbia Records in 1955 that lasts until his death in 1991. Um, he starts his first great band based on that momentum, the one that includes Paul Chambers and John Coltrane makes a series of of amazing music, 55 to 59, culminating with Kind of Blue in 1959, which is everybody's choice for the most important jazz record ever recorded. And maybe one of the three most important recordings of the 20th century, along with uh, Sgt. Pepper's and I don't know what. Um, he also then makes a series of amazing orchestral Records with Bill Evans, the most famous of which is, uh, or Gil Evans, excuse me, the most famous of which is Sketches of Spain. Um, the first uh, great band morphs from oh, 1960 to 1964 into the second great band, which is my favorite Miles band, the quintet of the mid-60s that features Ron Carter, Herbie Hancock, Wayne Shorter, and a 17-year-old Tony Williams, who does drop out of high school in Oakland to join Miles Davis' band in uh, 1965. 
This period, however, is marked by a botched hip surgery that creates terrible nerve pain in the lower half of his body and a series of, of uh, respiratory infections that uh, really, in, in fact, the way that he plays. But in the 64 to 67, that band records a series of unbelievable records, my favorite of which is 1966's Miles Smiles. He also battles a liver infection and heavy alcoholism. In 1968 to 1975, he blows that whole thing up and invents electric jazz fusion, creates a band that includes Keith Jarrett, Dave Holland, Chick Corea, Joe Zawinul, John McLaughlin, and Jack DeJanette, who will become the biggest names of the 70s in jazz. They'll start bands like Weather Report. He records uh, four just genre-busting, weird, com super compelling records. Bitches Brew, uh, the already lauded In a Silent Way, on this podcast, tribute to Jack Johnson and On the Corner. There's also tons of live albums from that era where this crazy-ass six-piece band playing music that's on the edge of coherency is opening for, like, the Steve Miller band at the Fillmore. <laughs> like, he's, like, Miles, like, introduces himself to a rock audience. Um, Unbelievable. ill health, respiratory infections, the return of drug use, cocaine, Forces Jeez. a five-year retirement from music from 1975 to 1980. Miles disappears. He almost dies. He has a stroke. Um, he comes back in 1981 and records a few out records that are not particularly well uh, regarded. He falls in love with two songs and, and plays them in every show he does from 1985 until he's forced off stage from ill health. Does anybody know what Miles Davis's all-time two favorite songs? No. One of them is True Colors, right? It's actually time after time, time but after you're time. absolutely right, Cindy Lauper. <laughs> the other one is Michael Jackson's Human Nature. Oh yes. my God. He plays those songs. He loved those songs. He couldn't get enough of them. Um, he writes a hilarious autobiography in 1988 uh, with a guy named uh, Quincy Troop. Now, that book uses the word motherfuckers more than any other book ever written by a human being. Um, he dies in 1991. Uh, at 66, 65 years old, uh, because of just a, a slew of bad decisions and 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 health problems. Would anybody like to guess what Miles Davis's net worth was when he dies in 1991 and his will and testament was revealed? Uh, a million dollars. I'm going to take the over on that, but not by much. It is exactly one million dollars. Miles what, really? Davis. Good job, Timmy. <laughs> Miles Davis records 62 records for Columbia Records, and there are another 60-plus minor releases. The guy's got a discography that's got over 400 titles in it, is the greatest jazz musician that, if, if not the greatest, in the Mount Rushmore of American wow. jazz musicians, and died with a net wealth of about 998000 Or wow. a you know an American homeowner. I mean, I just, how rough is that? Um, Amazing. There's no way to uh, sum up Miles Davis in a track. I have made a Miles Davis playlist, which I'm going to ask the marketing department to share in the promotional materials of this record. I somehow got myself down to 25 tracks. Wow. Uh, I look forward to Ben telling me uh, which ones I have left off. <laughs> um, but I've got I've, Ben, I've got In a Silent Way on there. I've also got Time After Time as the 25th and final track. Ah, so I had nice. So I had something after 1972, but I'm going to play the first minute of my all time favorite Miles Davis songs. It's from Miles Smiles. It features the great quintet of uh, Carter, Hancock, Williams, Shorter and Davis. Um, it's called Footprints. But um, 
you have to listen to Kind of Blue. Uh, and you if you haven't given Miles Davis some time in your life, you are really missing out on one of the most profound American artists our culture has ever produced. He is a fascinating guy. My favorite Miles Davis story is that he's hitting on a woman at a party in the mid 70s. And she says, well, who are you? He says, I'm Miles Davis. And she said, so what? What have you done? And he's like, girl, I changed music five times. <laughs> Which is a pretty great thing to be able to say to somebody that you're hitting on. So here's Footprints from Miles Davis. Let's go. I love about Ooh. this band so much is they're all just spectacular players like Herbie Hancock has several amazing solo albums of his own he goes on to form the Headhunters the best-selling jazz record of all time is Herbie Hancock's Headhunters which has Chameleon and uh, songs you would all definitely know Ron Carter on bass is just supreme tone guy Wayne Shorter has his own solo record called Speak No Evil which saxophonists will tell you is one of the 10 great saxophone records ever recorded uh, Tony Williams goes on to make the tone to have the Tony Williams lifetime um, and and actually uh, be one of the great teachers and leaders of the Berkeley High School Jazz Program, which has produced some of the greatest players of the last 20 years. But by this point, these guys are so fantastic. They don't need to play much. They can also just float like to Tony huh. Williams's ride symbol there. It's so unbelievably precise and and technical and amazing but it's also so restrained. Like, and Carter blows up in the middle of that, do, 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 but he's also just fine, happy going, do, 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 do. And Miles' solo is not, it's not uh, right. spectacular in the notes it plays. It's spectacular in the notes it leaves out. I mean, this is brilliance by omission. This band is so, they're such unbelievable listeners. And if you want to hear them playing just full on, there's this eight disc box set called Live at the Plug Nickel which is the first tour these guys do. It's Tony Williams' first professional tour as a 17-year-old kid. And on the first night, 
at the plug nickel in Chicago, which is Christmas weekend. It's like December 23rd or something like that. Uh-huh. They start with a 17 and a half minute version of if I were a bell that just wears Williams, like the drummer at the end should collapse whiplash style <laughs> on his drum kit. And you could tell Williams is like, uh, uh, I'm just getting warmed up. I could go again. He's yeah, playing so go. unbelievably <laughs> fast and they all take these just insane solos. So I love the, the heat and, and, uh, sweet of this band it's just the the restraint of that track and i just think that's one of the most beautiful melodies uh miles ever wrote so i love so much miles davis that, that i feel like i've done no no justice here but at least maybe it's a toe in the water to get people uh who ha- are not already miles fans to to get in there and check it out awesome huge fan of huge fan of this selection yeah um, and also weirdly it's a really great st louis selection like growing up there and um you'll hear the parallels between his life and chuck berry's life like the super interesting this uh like relatively well off african-american community in this segregated miserable town um super interesting yeah um that and jeff's put his finger on it that 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 version of the quintet is also my favorite um and this is uh possibly hot take i only listen to herbie hancock that's it I just oh, wow. the piano parts. The piano parts are so fucking unbelievably good. <laughs> yeah. like, he just blows me away. Um, and part of it's because I know those, like I know the songs already. I know the melodies and stuff. So once you know the melodies, then you just, you can choose anybody. You can actually just listen to the bass and enjoy that too. But just listening to Hancock play on those cuts. Oh man. And this one, like he's all syncopated and weird. He's coming in at different times. You know what I mean? Yep. Oh, so good. And just exactly as Jeff said, at the emptiness, there's like, six second portions where he's like, ah, not now. Well, yeah. he just comes in with the chord. So good. <laughs> Huge fan. And this is uh you listen you listen to Miles Davis with yoga, Ben. Is that it? Uh so I the the I listened to In a Silent Way is my uh Shavasana song in yoga. So that song okay. I listen to it over and over again. Otherwise it's just on some of my it's just on the mixes, man. It's just my like uh my favorite awesome. jazz act. Awesome. All right, well, what are you going to bring to the party, Ben? Yes, our good friend. Yes. Charles Edward Anderson Barry, born <laughs> 1926. How about that? St. What a Lewis. year. Wow. He's born into an uh, African-American neighborhood known as The Ville, which is a middle-class to wealthy African-American neighborhood. His mom is a high school principal. And his dad is a contractor and a deacon at the church. Um, He's interested in music from the beginning, but he has a little bit of a harder time. 16, he's arrested for armed robbery in Kansas City. Spends three years in a reform school. Uh, Similar, it's actually, so now it stops being the Miles Davis reminder. It actually reminded me a lot of James Brown. The Yeah, yeah. So he spends his three three year stretch in jail. Um, while he's there, they put him in a singing group, and the singing group tours around, and that's what cements his interest. He gets out, he gets married, and then he spends you know seven years just working as a person. He works in a factory. He's a janitor. Um, this is uh, super telling, given his hair. He goes to cosmetology school, <laughs> hairdresser, which <laughs> explains why Chuck Berry's hair is so fucking badass his entire life. <laughs> That's awesome. At 53, he's playing guitar in the Johnny Johnson trio. George is going to, I mean, uh, Jeff's going to know exactly who Johnny Johnson is. Tell us. No, I don't. You're going to have to, I mean, I know the name and I know a little bit about him, but go for it. 
Johnny Johnson is the lifelong piano player with Chuck Berry. That's right. And this is okay. super funny. It's like these other stories that we've heard, like this happened to Otis Redding, where it's yes. like they've got the wrong dude out front. They've yep. got the piano <laughs> player leading the band with Chuck Berry behind him. <laughs> and so they're playing, just playing clubs in St. Louis. And this is the dawn of the Chuck Berry style. One of the things that the Johnny Johnson trio did that was very unusual for an African-American act is they played country numbers. And they would do country numbers rocked up R&B style. And Chuck Berry said, uh, black people in St. Louis would say, I want to hear that that N-word hillbilly shit. And they would go <laughs> and see the band. That's awesome. Oh, my God. 55, he travels up to uh, Chicago and meets Muddy Waters. And he's trying to make it as a blues guy. And Muddy Waters is like, well, I'm on Chess Records. I'll introduce you to the owner. So he goes and meets the owner of Chess Records, plays him his blues stuff. And he's like, dude, we, we have Muddy Waters and Willie Dixon. That's not, you're not good enough to be on Chess Records or that. What else you got? So then he plays his version of an old country song, Ida Red. And in a second, I'm going to ask Jeff to play just a second of Ida Red so you get a flavor for it. Um, it's... Uh, Bob Willis and the Texas Playboys, Ida Red, 1927 is the most famous recording of it. And jump ahead to like second 20 so we can get the chorus. Okay, Bob Willis, Ida Red, the Texas Playboys, second 20. I'm working. Here we go. On the window, snowy white, the parlor is pleasant on Sunday night. Ida Red, Ida Red, I'm plum fool out Ida Red. That's it, that's it. Cut, cut, cut. Jeff, what song is that? What Chuck Berry song is rewritten as that? I don't know. Maybelline. Yeah. Can um, you hear it? Out of red, out of red. Maybelline. Why yeah. can't you be true? Um, and so that's how he gets to start. <laughs> the, the first single that he records is Maybelline. They put it out. It goes to number one on the R&B charts. It's a huge, gigantic hit. And he's just off to the races. Um, Johnny Johnson comes with him as his piano player. Jeff, on Maybelline, who's the bass player of his first recording? No idea. Willie Dixon. No way. Blues man Willie Dixon is the bassist on Maybelline. Isn't that unbelievable? That, that is fantastic. Yeah, that is so, so funny. So good. Um, so he basically has this meteoric rise, and he's in the top list of those 50s first wave of rock stars. And I won't go at length at this, but... He's really the first rock and roll guitar guitar god. He's the very, very first guy to be the I'm the rock guitarist who's the best at being the rock guitar. Jeff is going to disagree with this. In my opinion, he's the uh, in the first wave or the first singer-songwriter type. Like, he's not singing anybody else's material. He's not Elvis. He's like, he wrote all of these songs. Yep. He's the guy on all of these songs. And I know, I think you choose Ray Charles, right? That's who you think is the first rock guy? No, I, I don't. First rock and roll artist? Yeah. No, it's got to be Chuck Berry. It's uh, okay, for rock good, and roll. You agree with me. Because I do. Rock is a guitar medium, yes. and he yeah. creates it with that. And it's like he has some like like background singing, as we'll hear in a second, but there's no horns. There's nothing. It's not a jazz thing anymore. It's just no. guitar, bass, drums, singer, guitar solos. So fantastic. Um, and it's a weird mix. So you can hear there's this mix of country in there, and that's the boom, 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 the backbeat and the really simple melodies. Um, and then he's got, he's and like, one other reason why he's the first rock musician is he's such a thief. He's just like stealing from everywhere, mashing really it is. together into this thing. Um, Jeff, if you will play Lewis Jordan, Ain't That Just Like a Woman. And all you need is the first eight seconds of this and then tell me what song this is. Okay. Lewis Jordan, Ain't 
Take that. Just here we go. No. No. Oh, Carol. Oh or, my God. Or Johnny be good. Either was Johnny be good. Yeah. Amazing thievery. Oh my gosh. Chuck, Chuck Berry Chuck. did later in life admit that he was inspired by Lewis Jordan, which I thought was hilarious. Inspired is such a nice word for it what is. he did. That's why Led Zeppelin was inspired by Willie Dixon. For Willie sure. Dixon must have been watching him do that like, man, I hope nobody ever does that to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. Um, then we have another twist. He uh, is accused under the Man Act, a federal oh. act of transporting a 14-year-old across state lines to work in his club and have sex with her. Um, the, I actually didn't know any of this. There's a trial. He's convicted. He beats it on appeal. On appeal. Really? He's like, this was a racist claim. They, they, they stacked it against me. He got it overturned. Frickin' Justice Department comes back and runs it back a second time. And this oh. time he's convicted, spends two years in jail. Gets out Holy in six. Smoke. And this is one of those ones that's a little weird. It's like, on the one hand, it's not admirable that sex with a 14-year-old. And I'm not arguing that it is. Like, good, good and, position. Um, I yep. think it's probably really likely, based on what I read about the case, that, that something bad happened in that regard. That being said, the fact that you can overturn in the late 50s something for being too racist means it's like they were targeting him for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and a bunch of these guys ended up going to jail, right? I mean, there's like a whole targeting of the rock guys, similar to the rap acts, where it's like, we're just trying to put you in jail to, to interrupt you. Gets back out in the 60s. Now he's finally gets his own a new recording thing, and he actually from here forward he's got control of all his music. This is how I knew that Miles Davis didn't have any money. It's because they just kept all the money from the writing credits. He mm -hmm. never got any of the money from that. You can only make money touring if you're yeah. Miles Davis. Chuck Berry was a, a super smart businessman, and so starting the '60s, he got his own songs. So the whole second wave of songs, Nadine and My Little Dingaling, and those songs, he owns those, and so he actually makes a decent living at that. He turns into a retro touring act. Um, I saw him. Jeff, you saw him, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fifth, you know, 47 minutes. Terrible. Terrible. <laughs> and with guys, with guys, is there, can you tell yeah. that how the yeah, Chuck yeah. Berry Well, we told it on once tour. before, but I'll tell we it did. again. Because um, it's the greatest. This is yeah. like, this is what He plays at the Stone Pony before, um, before Springsteen is signed. And the way it works is he shows up, he gets an envelope in cash before <laughs> he plays. He goes on plugs in and plays before a band that he's never talked to and never rehearsed with. He doesn't call out the keys. He doesn't name the songs. He just starts playing and expects them to carry along with him. It's unbelievable. Um, and the Springsteen story is unbelievable. And of course, when you do this enough, he traveled all over the country. He, he played in front of a bunch of famous uh, bands. He played in front of the Steve Miller band too. The Steve Miller band yeah. fronted him on one of these times. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like, needless to say, these were not great concerts. All of that being said, there's something weirdly American about that, too. Like his entire attitude of it, um, because he gets paid in cash, then he gets in trouble with the IRS. He spends another stint in jail for tax evasion. Uh, if you're counting at home, this is three different stints in and out of prison um, during wow. the course of his life. Um, this is a guy who grew up in segregated St. Louis and had every right to be as mad as hell about this country and the way that he'd been treated. And so I don't, and also like half of his catalog was stolen from him and he got no money from those recordings at all. I have no beef with him whatsoever being like, y'all effed me. I'm just going to F you. Like, that's it. Like, I'm, I'm like, I'm not paying for a band to travel with me. I need yep. every nickel that I can get out of this. And I don't care at all about it. Um, yeah. But there's a weird flip side to this 
and there's there's there's, there's like a duality of the african-american experience in america is he also got to be a very very wealthy man playing music in a way that never would have happened in another country during that time and that's why i choose Bill. back in the usa oh. as my chuck berry song and you get Amazing. to start at the beginning and end after the first chorus okay how about you give us a little of the johnny johnson keyboard solo too I will. It'll be hard to turn this one off. So here we go. dude who grew up in st louis and lived in st louis he's not kidding about my old home in st louis he stayed living i mean it wasn't in jail he lived in st louis um there's <laughs> a famous mansion in the suburbs of st louis where he's got a guitar shaped pool that was featured in the movie johnny be good um and i hear this song and i think that he actually does love america like there's a weird part of it i don't think he's faking it at all of course i mean there's a there's a tongue-in-cheek aspect to all of his work you know what i mean like he was definitely really re he's a pop musician he was really really interested in selling records um but the emotions expressed in here you know the burgers sizzling on the grill night and day right there in st louis like uh the fact that he could find it in his heart to love this country after everything that he went through in this country i just always find super powerful Fantastic. Yeah. I also think Chuck Berry and um, America invented the teenager in the fifties, right? Decided yep. that 12 year olds could extend their, could have something called adolescence and extend their childhood through high school. Like the post-World War II middle-class boom. If we're going to have this yard and a picket fence, maybe I want the yep. kids to hang around a couple more days to consumerism. Right? Yeah. But marketing. There isn't a thing called, there isn't a thing worth protecting about teenage life until the 50s. And and Chuck Berry's particular genius is to give that experience voice and to deracinate it and to uh, authenticate it. Like for me, the quintessential Chuck Berry song, the song that belongs in a vault and that, I don't know if I've talked about this before, but I teach a whole 70 minute lesson on this song when I teach American literature. It's the song School Days. Yes. Where he, invents, yeah. he invents suburban blues. Like right now in 2023, we're talking about the mental health crisis in American teenagers. Yeah. But Chuck Berry saw it coming 
from up in the morning and out to school. The teacher is teaching the golden rule, American history and practical math. You're working so hard and hoping to pass, right? I mean, that song is a 12-bar blues for affluent kids, white or black, right? But what do those kids do in order to lay their burden? My favorite one is this, fi finally three o'clock comes around, you finally lay your burden down, right? <laughs> like it's a cotton bale, right? Yeah. And you go to the juke joint, which is of course a soda fountain. And what do you do? You put a nickel in the jukebox and you punch up Chuck Berry. It's also a marketing device, right? Oh, yeah, right. I, I am yeah. the voice of your discontent. And I hear you and see you. So hear and see me back, right? And the relief right? As you said, of your burdens. Is there anything a pop song does more than go, uh, sing along with me? And that is the genius of Chuck Berry. Is it's it's brilliant and it's populist at the same time. I cannot, I listen to school days and I can't believe that that he he lays out everything that's right and wrong about America in the 1950s and early 1960s in two minutes and 45 seconds. And everybody listens to it and nobody can hear it, which is probably also what being black in America is like on some level. So, that could so hey, ben, um, Ben's got it down to a T yeah, here. Yeah. The top five most played Chuck Berry songs on Spotify. Johnny Be Good. Johnny Gotta Be Good's be. number one. Sweet Little 16? Not on there. Wow. Uh, school days, not nope. on there. Uh, Maybelline, well, not on there. Uh, USA, what's the one? Um, where he's driving across the USA. Route sixty six. That one is on there. Route sixty six is number okay. five. Uh, little little Queenie. No, there's one obvious one that oh, you're missing, and then sweet, the next two are weird. Sweet sixteen. Nope. No, I already said that. Did you? Roll over Beethoven. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, then number three, No Particular Place to Go, which I was really kind of surprised by. I mean, that's, yeah, that's a late. That's, that's 1964. That's a late yeah. one. Dude, number two. Uh -huh. Is my dingling? No. <laughs> Good. Uh, it was made popular by a famous American movies in the 90s, and it's the uh -oh. second most played song. There's huh. a famous dance scene to it featuring John Travolta. Oh, yeah, Pulp Fiction. Yes, you never yeah. can tell. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's so tell. funny that yeah. that's because that's that was such an obscure... million yeah. Can you believe that? <laughs> no, I can't because it was such an obscure choice when Pulp Fiction came oh, out. Oh, totally. Yeah. Well, I was like, oh, I don't even know this one. It's when, not even when... on the Great 28, is it? You no, never can tell? It's not. Yeah. No, no, no. It is a great song, though. It is I a mean, great yeah. song. Yeah. Good stuff. Anyhow, I love me some Chuck Berry. I still love me some Chuck Berry. I ride with the Great Twenty Eight. That was one of my all-time great purchases in high school, and I just wore it out. Listen to it, gate to gate to gate. One, it's still the way to listen to him. Banger afterward. Oh yes. yeah, no for yeah. sure. And you know, like like uh, by the time you get to the late later sixties, it's like oh, you want to listen to albums, get the full flavor for it. Yeah, Chuck uh -huh. Berry didn't do any album cuts. You know what I no. mean? He was like one single after another single. Just listen to his greatest hits, and you'll be like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Yeah. So well, and good. also like the best Chuck Berry album that he put out is Chuck Berry is on top, which is a collection yeah. of 12 singles. It's not yeah. an album. It's yeah. just mm. long. People started buying LPs and Chuck Berry was like, hey, let, let's make one of them LPs. And so they yeah. Oh, yeah, no, for and... sure. Yeah. So well, they, and, yeah. Um, I'll shout out Brown Eyed Handsome Man and yeah. Memphis as um, great examples of him. He was the person who was who understood and was interested in racial relations even back then, even while he's making records for white people, for sure. Yeah. What about rock and roll music, which is another right? No, about dude, that. Or, is, or reeling yeah. and rocking or yeah. around and round. 
Oh, the yeah. joint was and Carol. I mean, yeah, so great. Yeah, let it rock. With- let it rock. Stunt we haven't brought up yet. Bye oh, bye, Johnny. I mean- Every fifth early Beatles and Stones song is, in fact, a Chuck Berry cover. Like they yeah. loved him. If you're yeah. wondering what the like the bones of this music was, you just ask those guys. Yep. I just all love, right, Timmy. I love the story of him getting his money. Oh, so good. Childish Gambino, black man, get your money. Uh excellent, excellent stuff. Well, I am. I'm saving Wilco uh, for Chicago, but we're gonna listen to a song. That I absolutely love, which is about a murder in St. Louis, going with Lloyd Price, Stagger Lee. Oh, that's a good one. The night was clear and the moon was yellow and the leaves came tumbling down. fun song when you're a little kid listening to that song and then you grow older and you're like wait what's happening <laughs> so i have a question for ben yeah. did you know yeah. this song before the clash sent you to this song i think the answer that's no because me too so i don't know i don't oh, Timmy, fascinating london calling is not in your dna the way it is for me and ben no i, I had the, check I this, had this song Boyo. That's from the, fascinating. From the punk rock album, London Calling. I would like to point out to people that I just played you a track from what is considered the greatest punk rock album ever made back uh-huh. when great artists didn't put themselves in the teeniest, tiniest little pisses me off to no end. Like there's a there's a really famous punk club uh, in my neighborhood called 924 Gilman. And it's great. They have bands all the time and high school bands are playing it. But if you don't sound like Green Day, you don't get in the door. Ugh. But you, yeah, but like the great artists, to quote Ben from eight seconds ago, can do the quintessential nature of rock and roll is to steal <laughs> and repackage. Yeah. And I mean, I, yeah, I heard that and I was like, who the hell's Stagger Lee? And that's how I found Lloyd Price was 
Oh, I that, is, that is fascinating because well i mean the song was first written in 1911 um you know as a white folk song and then oh yeah it's, a, it's just, an just like chuck uh, yeah just like chuck yeah. berry taking uh taking country and making it rock and then, and then the song more. goes all the way across the across the pond to england for the clash go ahead ben i've got one more st louis shout out um yeah. if you haven't read any of the marilyn robinson books that start with gilead yeah. I would strongly recommend all four of these novels. Uh, Gilead is probably my favorite book ever. Um, the what? fourth wow. book in the series is called Jack, and uh -huh. it's about the near-do-well member of the family who dates and then marries an African-American woman from St. Louis, and it tells the origin story of that. And it's a searing portrait of segregated St. Louis, and mm. in particular, a beautiful portrait of this African American woman and her dad's a deacon, her dad's a preacher and a wealthy, educated man, and she takes up with this kind of near do well white guy, and it's a fantastic, fantastic book. Um, but in particular, reminded me of that era in St. Louis, the Chuck Berry, Miles Davis era where you have these segregated uh neighborhoods where you have all levels of african you know like wealthy yeah. all the way down to poor all living together because they're forced to super interesting and uh i just read my angelus i know why the cage bird sing and, and she talks about the the time in st louis where she's actually uh raped and how her uncles took care of that guy it's like whoa whoa uh, all right, so there's a reading list with this particular podcast. Apparently so. Woo! Hey, great seeing you guys. It's been a minute. Been too long. This all right. Great. But I'm back in town, and and uh, my wife's out of town for the rest of the summer, and so is my daughter. So it's just me and the boy for the next three weeks. So I'm happy to record as many of these as you want. <laughs> we might, we might should record one Wednesday night for the following week. Cause uh, I'm, I'm bringing the kids all the way up to Maine and you know, those Maine woods, they don't have great Wi-Fi up there. So let's I'm talk. suggest we, we continue North of Chicago. The St. Louis to Chicago trip is a well-known, well-trod path. Perfect. Let's do it. Dibs all right. On dibs, of course, on the band, Chicago. I will be. <laughs> I hope you do. I hope you're not kidding. By the way, in the reflection of my actual cutting this guy out of my life uh -huh. due to his outright support of Nazism, I'm not going to choose Kanye. It's going to break Good my for heart. You. But I'm going to choose an act that's not Kanye West for Chicago, and that's going to hurt me. But dude, I can't. I can't send people can't his do way. It. I don't listen to it personally anymore. Yeah, I can't wait for the apology tour. Like I got the apology tour. I put a, an alarm on my phone every month. Like has apology tour started? Because when no. it does, I'm right back in. <laughs> what did you decide about the Taylor Swift tour? Are you going to try to see one or if you, is it a pipe dream? Um, I'm she's still in Mexico now. I mean, she's. Yeah. I can't be believe really the expensive. prices. I got to say, I, I've, I've been, I'm obsessed with the YouTube videos of that show people in the crowd the moment she hits the stage uh-huh and it's 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 amazing it's freaking beatlemania it's beatlemania it's, I, it's, I, it is so exciting and spectacular i have nothing awesome. but love for it i it's love awesome. seeing people love something that much yep well you and, know and timmy went in nashville which was super smart the tickets in nashville were exorbitant but not like uh -huh. uh, literally 20 percent of the price that they are now in cincinnati i know and um it just breaks my heart like i i, I never thought that they would get more expensive right like, i didn't you should see that. what the um you should see oh, what the la the, and the san francisco ones the san francisco ones are 
out of the out of the I'm like yeah. to sit behind the stage to have no view of anything but the jumbotron is thirty seven hundred dollars. Well, yeah. I, I I recommend. Well, that's why it makes sense. That's why it's it's cheaper to fly to to Cincinnati. This is yeah. so expensive. Hey, in Cincinnati. any any more outdoor shows? Just Taylorgate. Uh, a lot of people are doing that where you you get to experience and participate. You have thousands of people outside the stadium you see doing a sing along. That um video Pittsburgh. of the Philadelphia. Uh, I saw the Pittsburgh lot. video. Yeah. Oh my God, the Philadelphia. It's he's right. So he, she's yeah. playing um Just Citizens go. Bank, and uh, this guy's in the upper deck, and he goes to the top, and he goes over the back of the stadium, and there's twenty five thousand people <laughs> outside. have taken yeah. over like the main area and the parking lot, and they're just like an undulating screaming it's along. Awesome. That's what it's, you do. It's fantastic. It's fantastic oh. to see people like love being out with other people that much. I am uh -huh. all about it. All right. All right, fellas. Great talk. We'll yep. catch up Adios. later. Really Bye. nice to see you both. I'll talk to you soon. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, got this my, dad. my name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.